All right. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of our weekly Wednesday Lunch and Learn, where I have the opportunity to get to interview some of the top agents all across the country because things are very busy across the country and um, love to understand what is happening in the East Coast in this example. And then people, obviously, when they tune into my show, they are able to see what's happening here in the Bay Area. But let's get started. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Please tell us a little bit about which area you cover and also, what did you actually do before real estate? Sure, it's nice uh, seeing you today and thanks for tuning in everybody. So my name is Bonnie Lai and I worked in the Boston area in Massachusetts. So pretty much um, the area that I serve is the all greater Boston area, which pretty much means an hour radius outside from the city as well. So uh, I personally live in you know Boston, so it's pretty easy for me to get anywhere pretty much like all the suburbs around Boston. So uh, prior to real estate, um, so, so a little bit about myself. <laughs> prior to real estate, I actually, um, you know, work as a music educator in the public middle, like public schools mm -hmm. system. And uh, as a band director, I taught chorus, I taught orchestra. So, you know, I taught piano for many years. Uh, and then I transitioned into uh, accounting, uh, got my master's in both music education and finance, uh, and then, you know, kind of doing both, you know, for, for many years together. And, and then, um, but I didn't really love the nine to five. It wasn't really my personality because I just like to talk so much. <laughs> I just love people so much and uh, the educational piece of, you know, things that I love, you know, you can't really quite do it at the desk as an accountant. So, so I jumped into real estate in uh, 2014. I've been doing this for about six years. Um, you know, happy with Remax for you know three. This is going on the fourth, and um, you know, doing really well. In, in you know, the market in Boston is crazy right now. Yeah. So let's learn a little bit about kind of the the trajectory, right? In 2014, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about the local market after. In 2014, mm -hmm. did you do it part time at the time? Were you? Did you make the transition just? straight yeah. old turkey like what was that experience i actually jumped both feet in and dive in very hard so i started actually as a, a rental agent at first because the uh, way i live is uh, right in the middle of the, the college area so where i live uh, is very close to boston university boston college uh, mit uh, you know harvard university so um everything is just so close by so i thought that you know, being in the rental business will be a little more stable than doing sales because you know, I saw what happened in 2008. And quite frankly, it, it scared me when I was not an agent looking in. Right. right. And now right. I'm an agent looking into the market rental. I was just discussing this with you. Rental is kind of scary right now. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so I did rental the first year and then I accidentally did a few sales on, you know, on my first year as well and realized that, you know, I actually like doing sales a lot more. So I transitioned into doing sales, but um, I, I love the fact that I have the rental background because it really learned me to work in a very fast pace, um, learn how to hustle and you don't wait. Everything is right now. So it actually really helped me to transition into the sale. And honestly, I kind of miss uh, how, how fast I have to work. Once you get into the sale, everything seems a little slower. That's interesting. From the rental agent, I, I mean, here in the Bay Area, I don't think we have too much of that. Like, what is that model? Is it basically some person needs help? I mean, a lot of people today, I presume they also just search online themselves and find mm -hmm. a place themselves. 
what did you actually do as a rental agent? Did the people go to you and say, Hey, look, Bonnie, help me find, I don't know, an apartment for under $3,000, whatever it is. How yeah. did it actually work? So most of the rental agencies in Boston, and I'm talking about there's hundreds of them within okay. the same, like, you know, few blocks, you're going to have so many rental offices. So mostly all the offices have their own inventories and you might have a few huge management companies that will kind of like let all the rental companies to help them rent out all their inventories. So, so in a way, it's kind of like a rat race because everyone is going after the same things. Uh, and if you have more in-house inventory, so clearly, you know, you're going to market those, uh, you're not, Craigslist is what we used a lot back then, Zillow. Uh, everyone is out there posting ads all the time. That's how you get, you know, uh, people contacting you and hopefully being able to rent the right space for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but one downside about rental is that there's really no customer uh, loyalty because if you want what's best for your client, you really want them to find the right space, even though it might not be with you. And in the Boston market, you know, not, not a lot of agents are willing to actually share the broker fees. So it's kind of it's kind of tough. You're pretty much restricted to just rent out what you have in your inventories. And if you put it on an MLS, then, you know, pretty much, you know, then hopefully you can help your clients out to rent out spaces faster. But, you know, but that just means you have to share your fee, which I'm personally OK with. But a lot of rental agencies are not. That's interesting. I'm from that perspective. Is it still is that market still big today of the rental agency market, or given the plenty of websites out there, has that market shrank a lot? Honestly, I do think the competitions are getting very cutthroat. You know, as technology start catching up, but I also see that as a leverage. The people like the good agents who know how to stay ahead of the game will always still you know, attract the right people because they're going to market it right instead of, you know, marketing 300 listings at the same time, they might just focus on the best ones they have right. and then rent those out and keep moving on with the list. So I, I do think those websites can, you know, some landlords choose to do themselves, they, but they don't want to mm -hmm. because it's a much easier process when you have someone doing all the showings and screening for you. So right. I, I do think the industry itself is still intact but it is, you know, you, you do get this courage pretty easily if you don't want to stay in the game. Right. Got it. And so tell us about your first first year. I mean, you did the transition right from the rental side to the, to the buying and selling side. Was it easier or harder than you thought it would be to get started, to get to get it? To be honest with you, I think rental to me was harder than sales because I'm a relationship person. And, uh, and and all these buildings in Austin, Brighton, and Cambridge don't have elevators. <laughs> so I actually lost a lot of weight being a rental agent, which, like, looking back, it might have been a good thing. But, um, but I do think, you know, like I said, rental is such a number game. Sales, you can build relationship. Um, and, and, you know, long-term relationship, you know, your buyers and, and your sellers, you know, hopefully if you're a good agent, they will be, you know, um, more loyal, you know, than a rental, a renter would. Um, so I, I think the transition was pretty easy for me because I purchased my own home before. That's why I became a realtor. Um, my specialty is really is to work with a lot of first time home buyers. Uh, my niche is exactly that. Um, the reason why I got into the business, um, I, I helped myself buy my first home. I helped my parents and I helped my friends. 
Um, so it just become a very natural thing. I'm from Hong Kong originally, so so real estate is a really big part of our culture back mm-hmm. at home as well. So I'm sure in San Francisco, a lot of people feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then can you share like some of the production figures, like how many you did the first year and then like whether you want to share what was last year or year to date, that'd be great for people to kind of have an idea like where you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am actually very happy with what I've been doing since I started in the industry. So the first year I, I was just doing, you know, straight rental and right. I pretty much broke even with what I made as a salary back when I was in the accounting job, which was not bad. Right. I worked really hard. And then the second year I've done, I want to say like close to 5 million. That's nice. my first sales year, which is not bad. Right. Um, then I went up to 8 million, 15 million. Last year I've done 20 mil. This year I'm, I'm going to surpass 25. So I'm definitely, you know, kind of showing a healthy amount of growth. Um, and, and my, my business just kind of generate itself because, you know, when you do good, right. good work, people come back to you. That's awesome. And do you have a team right now or is it just uh, solo? Uh, solo for the most part, but I do team up with agents uh, based on, you know, different situations. I do get a lot of referrals from other agents as well. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the local market, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the average price point? Um, you're happy, happy to learn about the different suburbs um, mm-hmm. in general, or if you want to say kind of a blanket statement of what the average home price is in your market. So I was, I was kind of like, it's tough because Boston is such a big area and we have right. many different price points based on different neighborhoods. So I would say there, there are definitely neighborhoods 30 minutes away from Boston, you know, average price point might be around 300, like, or 400 K. Okay. And then you will have something more like Metro West. The average price point is probably at least 600 or 800, depending okay. on the neighborhoods. Um, so, so being in such a, you know, large area where the different pockets of the zip codes makes huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to pin down, you know, exact number, but, um, personally, my business range from 300 to 1.5 mil, you know, that's, that's why my, where my, you know, um, sweet spot is. And walk us through like, um, for an av- for that average price point, what kind of home is that? Like what kind of square foot of a home? Is it an old house? Is it a new house? Mm-hmm. Kind of paint the image of what something like that can buy in, in Boston. Sure. So let's just say if you're an investor, you're looking to to purchase a condo uh, in Austin, Brighton, or Cambridge. Usually, a one bedroom is around five, like you know, five to six hundred square foot, and okay. then you know, a two bedroom is probably under eight hundred. You know, and the price range is starting a one bedroom right now in Austin, Brighton is around three fifty, and then in Cambridge, a one bed is well over five hundred. So. Really? so there's a big price, you know, difference depending on the zip code. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you're looking at a single family um, in Boston, it's, it's pretty tight. I would say most of the homes in Boston right now is well above half a mil. If, you know, if you want something nicer, it will probably around like 800, 700K. Wow. Okay. And so, yeah, walk us through the market of the year, right? Maybe in the beginning of the year, before the shelter, shelter in place and then what has happened over the last seven months over time honestly 2020 who would have thought yeah 
I think back in 2018, 2019, a lot of real estate, you know, professionals were kind of worried about a potential downturn. And of course, because the interest rate was staying so low that the market just keep on going higher and higher and higher. Even as a, you know, realtor, we kind of shock how high things are getting, right? Mm. I'm sure you experienced the same thing, you know, in the West Coast. But I think in the East Coast, um, we have we actually have a very strong start of the year in in the beginning. You know, for the first three months before COVID really hits, um, it, I think most of the realtors I know was trending higher than the year before, just mm. because the demand was so high from from people just trying to take advantage of the lower interest rate. And then when the COVID hit in Massachusetts, we started having the, you know, the more, man not mandatory lockdown, but more so advisory for people to stay home. That was in mid-March. And then things just completely stopped for, but not for too long, only for about a month. So I would say mid-March and mid-April, personally, my business was exactly showing that as well. People kind of, you know, took a break to kind of trying to pause and see what, what is the right way to do the business right now to make sure that you're not exposing your clients and make sure people that come in to see homes will, will be well protected. But I do have to say Massachusetts is one of those like, you know, state where we were very lucky. So our governor, uh, Baker, I, I personally felt like he has done a very good job to find a balance. Uh, he actually, um, um, you know, uh, decided that, you know, um, real estate is also under the essential business. So we were able to conduct business and do the closing even throughout this time. And I know you guys are pretty, you know, had it pretty tough in the West Coast. Did you guys have, you guys have a complete lockdown, right? Uh, no, actually, I mean, uh, we did initially, like every, I think most places, but that was only for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then basically in late March, we were in essential service too. So we, yep. we were showing houses already at that time. So real estate, yep. uh, you know, obviously people had a different, uh, people got scared during that time, but we were able for those that still wanted to, to go see houses still and, and to buy houses. So same in the, you know, the state of Massachusetts, we were able to, you know, I think every agent take their own percussion right. percussion to, right. to do open houses as they feel like is best. Um, the market has just been soaring since April. I mean, remember getting calls from, from all my clients on the same week of April. I think people were just bored staying at home because they all <laughs> come home. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, just sneak out in the middle of the day and go to rooms with me. And that's what they did. I'm not going to throw any names, but close <laughs> around like April and May. Though those are the people who snuck out in the middle of the day to go see homes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Right. And then the market pretty much just, you know, single families has been just outpacing everything else. Right. Uh, condos since then, everywhere has been dropping. Okay. Everywhere. So really? family anywhere is, is just going insane. I've had people like over, they have to bid like 20% above asking is insane. Like, like I think like 7% above asking is just very basic nowadays. Um, it, it's very tough for first-time home buyers or, or people who don't have a big down payment to be able to get into houses these days. So, but so that's great. It's in interesting to hear about the percent over list price. Um, from when you actually compare sell, sold prices, how does it fare to same time last year or even to March? Like, what's the what's the difference of single family for that? If you have an idea, percentage wise, or at least a guess. Well, I think. 
I think it's pretty much, it, I feel like it's actually more so be, than, than before COVID because I'm very used to the, the competition, you know, before COVID. And after COVID, I thought things might cool down a little bit. It didn't. The overbidding actually became worse. I think right. it's because like there is less inventories because sellers are not willing to sell at this time, having so many people coming into the house. So we actually have a worst case scenario where we have lower inventory, but yet the demand to buy is a lot higher because everyone wants to move out from the city and move into the suburbs. So it's therefore the overbidding like like percentage totally went up at least another five percent. Interesting. But then at the same time, condos are very weak. Um, yeah. Like how much weaker from a price perspective would it, would you say, um, would you say? I would say, let's just put it this way. Good listings will still be gone almost immediately within the first few days because there will always be like very smart investors watching what is out there. Um, so I would say instead of like dropping a lot, I think it went soft for most places. And, and there are places, homes that would have been sold within a week if you talk about before March, and now it will take maybe a month to month and a half to actually get sold. Um, and they mostly will not get asking. And you're talking about maybe 10 to 15% drop. Really? Wow. Yeah. Is there any different in the downtown Boston market versus condos that are more in the suburbs per se? Is it, or is it the same effect? Mm, I would say down, I would say that city drops more, especially the luxury stuff. Right. I think there's a lot of uh, brand new constructions out there that, you know, is putting a lot of pressure, you know, mm -hmm. into the, the luxury market too. Um, I think, um, you know, they're just, uh, you know, I, I think that, that the demand of the condos right now temporarily has cooled down. Mm -hmm. In the suburb area, condos have, have seen drops as well. Really? Okay. So just the preference of that is just not as high. Are there are there many townhome developments in Boston or is it not a common thing there? There's a lot of flips. So there's a lot of like condo conversion from multifamilies. So you're going to see a lot of towns that started restricting. Like there's, for example, some of you have placed some, you know, very restrictive rules about how the flip can be sold. Mm. Uh, within a year, especially if you have tenants in there, you can't quite just turn around and make it into a condos immediately. So it depends on the area, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people are still looking for opportunity, but I, I think the map doesn't quite work as well in, in the city area. So you see a lot of investors are kind of going further out. Uh, some even go to Worcester, which is like an hour away from Boston. But mm. if if you're very experienced and if you know what you're doing, like developers are not exactly scared. They just raise the price, you know, for the home. So you're basically paying for the cost of the, um, you know, like increased cost to do business these days, you know, mm -hmm. to be, it is more expensive to build nowadays. Right. Is, um, as we, I mean, we're basically in mid October now, right? Has, have things slowed down at all? Have they picked up or is it about the same from let's say two, three months ago? Yeah. I was so curious to find out myself because yeah. when September hit, I actually talked to a lot of other real estate agents and see if they get a sense of what do you think? Do you think that the, the parents are going to stop looking because now the kids are back to school? 
you know, even though they might be just learning remotely from home, you know, the pressure is still on. So from what I noticed, because now it's October, in September, things definitely did slow down, especially over the long weekend, which is something we just had this weekend. Mm -hmm. A lot of homes actually didn't end up getting sold this weekend because I think people are actually away, which I don't I don't think we are supposed to, but people are away anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure where they would go, but uh, yeah. So I guess not much has changed. Like people are still, you know, um, trying to to get out of the house whenever they can, and they're not sticking around for the long weekend to to look at more homes. Interesting. So, so you suspect it has already slowed down in the area? Um, slightly. I wouldn't say it's stopped, right. but I think the motivated buyers are still actively looking. They're definitely not hardcore, core, you know, putting three offers a week because some of my buyers have been doing that, like three offers a week. Mm. And now we slow down to, okay, maybe every other week I'll, 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 I'll go put in an offer, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's so competitive that some people have to just keep trying and trying until they get one, you know, mm -hmm. what are the drivers of people? uh moving or, or living in boston so i know it's a huge college town as an example just not the college town but there's a lot of colleges um mm -hmm. uh, but what are the main drivers of people that that end up buying a property is it like you mentioned is it the parents that buy investment property because their kids are living in it is it uh what are the drivers in general I think like Massachusetts or, or Boston specifically is such a special town like or city because um, there's so many high paying jobs. We have the technology field, we have the pharmaceutical field, we have the medical field, we have the colleges. So I think, you know, that the income is good and strong. And that's why even with a market that seems scary to a lot of people in the rest of the country, I think Boston just keep having that demand is because people are not scared. As long as our job is secure, they're right. always going to buy. And we have so many good school systems, um, mm -hmm. you know, right around the Boston area, like, like Newton, Wellesley, Lexington, you know, Sharon and in, in the South, you know, South Shore area, Winchester, I just closed one there today. Like personally, my business is all around Boston. So I, I, I notice you know, um, people always go to the towns where the, the high school education is good, you know, for the kids. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And any any uh, forecasts or predictions of the next six months or so? Does it do you think it's do you think you'll stay kind of what it is? Um, what is your general feeling as of right now? I, I'm seeing a little more price drops even for the single family right now, which is something I didn't see two months ago. Okay. Um, so I'm sensing there's going to be a slowdown. And let's face it, every cycle is about 10 to 12 years, right? Every real estate cycle. So we, we had our you know last slowdown in 2008, and then we came back very strong in 2012. And now eight years later, I, I, I think it's natural to see a little adjustment. Uh, rather, is it going to crash or not, I don't think we're expecting a crash unless something like, I, I honestly thought the, the virus will impact the housing market more than right now, but it, it didn't really slow down much except for the condos and, and you know, some some homes who are, that, that are not as desirable. But I, I do think, I think it will be normal to see a little more slowdown, but I, I'm not seeing the demand slowing down though. Yeah, it's interesting because every market is certainly different. Like for the Bay Area, we, we had a drop before in 2018 mm -hmm. through uh, basically end of 2019. It dropped in many, some areas 10% 10, 10 already. Mm -hmm. um, but then with 
with this, you know, the home is even more valuable than ever before because people are spending actually way more time at home. Yeah. And then you have that paired up with how low interest rates are. Everybody's buying power is much higher. Mm -hmm. And then you pair that up with uh, remote working. Now, now, why do people want to spend the exorbitant amount for a luxury rental when they can easily own a home for the same amount of not even less? Right. So it's well, just like a huge change. But go ahead. One thing about luxury rentals in the you know Boston area is that right now they're slashing the prices so much. Right. People are getting like a few months for free and a deduction on the rent by a thousand dollars. Like yeah. they used to charge thirty three hundred. And they're saying that if you were sign a lease with them next year, they would drop the, the, the rent by eight hundred to a thousand dollars and give you free rent and no broker fee. So, right. I mean, I mean, it depends. I think it depends on people's needs, and I think it, it it will also depend on how the corporation will react after COVID. If they're gonna demand people to start coming into the office, because I know some jobs have changed forever, like Twitter, right? Twitter have everyone to work from home like forever, you know, like not forever, but but for a very long foreseeable time. And I think a lot of commercial space is gonna be impacted even bigger because I think some companies might not go back to the way things were, period. Yeah, Twitter is interesting because they catch a lot of the headline articles at the same time, mm -hmm. Twitter only has 2000 people. So <laughs> they're a tiny little company that uh, quite frankly caught a lot more attention than True. They, they realistic would realistically would so they're yeah. really really small relative to a lot of these companies uh, but yeah. because of their significance in the social media uh, aspect they they will definitely they have caught a lot of eyeballs uh, in yeah. the past. so <laughs> they sort uh, out and make a lot of noises but yeah. Like in Boston, we have a lot of financial services, you know, companies like JP Morgan, sure. State Street, Brown Brothers, like New York Mellon. Um, they have been trying to move away from, you know, having people to work at the office five days a week for quite a long time. Um, a lot of companies started outsourcing as well. So I think the need of um, commercial space is also, you know, might be readjusted in general. It's interesting that you say that actually as well, because uh, JP Morgan actually said not long ago that they want people back in the office immediately. Uh, yeah. They did that in New York as well. Like, it, I mean, it, this just a productivity and the collaboration is yeah. very bad. Right? So my husband personally worked for, uh, works for Brown Brothers, Harrisman, who is also in financial services. And right. um, so he has been working from home since March and they're saying that they're not bringing them back until next year. So we'll see, but like someone like, like, you know, company like State Street, they, they already try to push people to work from home like two, three times a week before COVID. So, so we'll see what happened. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Yeah. And, and there's, there's certainly a lot of questions, but people are still making their bets clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise they wouldn't be investing or buying, you know, a suburb home that's cost more now than they did before. Yeah. So um, it's certainly really interesting. Yeah, no, thank you so much for the insights about the local market. It's always fascinating to hear kind of the perspective, but also what's happening uh, in the area. Um, you know, I think Boston, I mean, clearly it shows it's still very resilient, even though, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is due to, um, you know, all those college campuses and who knows what's happening with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's still a highly diverse place, which is also the, the really interesting part. Is there, uh, if anyone has interest about the Boston market, whether they're moving there, they're maybe potentially looking to sell, um, or there may be an investor, what's the best way of people to get a hold of you? 
Sure. So I'm very active on Facebook, right? So if you Google Bonnie Lai, Remax Unlimited, you will find me there. Uh, my cell phone number is 617-309-7093. And my, uh, my email address is my name, Bonnie Lai, B-O-N-N-I-E-L-A-I dot Remax, R-E-M-A-X at gmail.com. And um, well, let me know anytime you need anything, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Well, no, thank you so much, Bonnie, for your time. Thank you, everyone else, for tuning in to another edition of our weekly Lunch and Learned, and uh, I'll see you at the next one. Bye-bye now. Have a good day, guys. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link, and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.